Well, good morning and welcome to Portico. My name is Rick. We're so glad to have you here with us, whether you're in the main auditorium here, whether you're joining with us on the video cafe or over in the chapel or even online. We're glad you're here. This is the first week of our brand new series called Renovate. I am so glad for my father. He taught me a lot of things. My, my father taught me how to throw a curveball properly. He taught me how to pitch a tent and build a fire so I could take my family camping. He taught me how to treat a lady, whether it be my mother, my wife, my daughter, my friend. He taught me to make sure that I use honor and respect in all things. But one thing my father did not teach me is how to use a miter saw. And yes, that is me in the intro there, and um, I, that is me dangerously using that miter saw. Apparently, you're not supposed to pull the saw down. And if that freaked you out, and I've heard it has freaked some people out, you should come by one day when I'm using another power tool, like a chainsaw in my backyard. And then I'll really freak you out if I show you how to use that power tool. But as we move into our brand new series called Renovate, we're going to be learning how to do some new things. We're going to be making some adjustments to our lives. And I learned a new skill as we were creating the bumper for this video. When the saw moves, you don't move the wood. Because apparently when you move the wood and the saw can move, you can send that piece of wood flying. And I learned that as, as I went across the room. So now I will never do that again. I also learned that people who already know this get very offended when you use the miter saw improperly and they take it upon themselves to come and talk to you about how offended they are that you used the saw improperly. And I might add, the wood still cut and I'm still alive and have two arms. So may, maybe there are more than one way to do things. I'm just going to throw... No, just kidding. We're going we're gonna to look at how to, how to make some renovations and adjustments so that we can become more like the people that Christ called us to be. We're going to look at whole life renovation. But when I say the word renovation to you, what kind of thoughts start to go through your head? Do you start to get really nervous because, you know, renovation means things are dirty and dusty and disorganized and completely inconvenienced and it becomes an entire nuisance of unfinished project and broken promises. Contractors, look at me in the room this morning. When you say three weeks, we all know you don't mean three weeks. <laughs> and people who are do-it-yourselfers at home, when you say it'll take a month, People have been going on for years and years with home renovation products. You're liars. Well, you're in the right place this morning. You can receive forgiveness in church. There, we're going to learn how to renovate our lives as we look at principles of renovation. I spent my entire summer last year with no kitchen based on the promise, oh, it'll only take a couple of weeks. You guys can go away on holidays and you'll come back a whole summer with the fridge in the living room. Now, there are benefits to having a fridge in the living room and no access to the stove and the oven. I learned how to barbecue all kinds of things that I didn't know that you could barbecue. You can barbecue grilled cheese sandwiches, and you can, you can barbecue fruit. You can even barbecue a donut. There are all kinds of things that you can do when you're going through a renovation. We like the end result of renovation, so we'll go through the painful process of changing. And most of us, we will only change when the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of going through a renovation process. And we're going to look over the next month at the principles of renovation. We're going to look into different areas of our lives. And it could be painful when we start digging around. We're going to look at our relationships. 
whether it's in uh, dating or, or a spouse relationship or just our interpersonal relationships. We're going to look at our, our finances. We're going to look at the way that we work, and we're going to find that there are some changes maybe that we could start to apply to our lives, but we're not sure that we're ready to go through the renovation process. We're probably not going to disagree with the information that's presented, but the process is going to be scary. It could, it could be painful. It could be messy. It could be a little disorganized. And none of us would probably say, yeah, I've got all of these areas in my life figured out perfectly, but I don't want somebody poking around and making changes because that's not comfortable. Well, the good news is, over the next month, we're not talking a complete teardown and rebuild. We're just talking renovating. And when we come to Christ, we should expect that our lives are going to be reshaped and reformed a little bit. We're going to need to do some upgrades to the wiring, and we're going to need to fix a few things that may have broken down a few years ago. And if you're new to faith or you're still considering Christianity, we know there's a lot of people that joined us over the Easter season. We're not asking you to abandon everything about who you are. We're asking, would you consider some of the principles out of the Word of God and see if you would test them out and see if there's changes that may be applicable and beneficial if you would renovate these areas of your life? And on the flip side, if you've been following Christ for years and you go, this is going to be rehash, I don't need to go through this again— You know what happens sometimes is we get comfortable with different habits and we get caught into ruts and routines and we just figure, you know, since I'm a Christ follower, what I do must be honoring Christ. And the truth is, if we would take some time and really look at the principles of what it looks like to follow Christ fully in the areas that we're going to look at, there may be some areas that could stand to go through some little bits of renovation. And I bet as we go through this study, whether you're on either side, you're going to find that there are some of the way that you deal with finances, relationships, and work that don't line up perfectly with what the Bible says. So would you be open to at least going through this process or looking at this process with me as we go through the next three or four weeks? Would you be willing to do that? All right. Because faith in Christ is not an end. Faith in Christ is really just the first step in beginning to make changes. Paul wrote to the church when he was writing in Philippians, he wrote and he said, we need to work out our salvation. Now we've just come through Easter and we said what Jesus did was a complete work. So why would we have to work out salvation? Why would we have to work out being saved? Jesus also reminded us though that if we love him, we'll follow his commands. And the renovations we make aren't the aren't the thing that get us saved. The renovations are the things, they're the evidence of the transformative work that's already happened in our hearts that we've been studying as we've gone through that last series, um, as we, um, Clash of the Titans. So each week, what we're going to do is we're going to give four practical principles and relationships finances, and work that you can work towards implementing. And we're also going to be giving you an app that you can download that'll be something that you can take beyond Sunday and something you can look at implementing into your life. We're going to have a little bit of fun as well. In each of our venues, we're going to have at least two communicators in each room. And we're going to be using video. We're going to be doing some on-the-street stuff. And we're going to have Pastor Doug be able to speak out into Milton with not ever going to Milton. And I'm going to be able to speak into Espanol without even speaking Spanish. So this will be a great series You're not going to want to miss any of the next three weeks. And uh, we're going to get right into it here. We're going to go to 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5 through 8. If you don't have a copy of the Bible, you're going to want to have this open this morning. Just lift your hand up, and one of our ushers will make sure you get a copy of the Bible to borrow this morning. Our notes are also in your bulletins. They're also on our app. 
And uh, we're going to take some time and read together 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5 through 8. And why don't you stand with me in the room? We're going to give our chairs a workout this morning. I learned some things about chairs. That chairs are, the longevity, longevity of a chair is measured by how many touches? Up and down. So we're just working on our chairs this morning as we get up. No. <laughs> we're going to stand and read the Word of God together. Here we go. Second um, Peter 1, 5 through 8. Here's what it says. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith. So adding... This, We're adding on goodness, and add to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection. It sounds like we're doing some work on our own here, right? And to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord... As we go through this morning in this, in this series, I hope, pray that you help us understand the difference between working for our salvation, doing things for ourselves so that we feel like we earn your favor. God, that's what you did. You did all the work. But help us to understand the difference between that and working out our salvation through a renovation process that reflects what's already happening in our hearts. So Holy Spirit, speak to us this morning. Give us something that we can take away and put into our lives. And we ask this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. Work out those chairs. Sit down on them again. And we're, we're going to lay down this morning four principles that are actually going to carry us through all four messages over the month of April. And we're going to use the analogy of a home renovation because a home renovation is tangible. It's, it's something that we know. There's a process to. We can look it up. We can Google it. And there, there's things, step one, step two, step three. It's defined. And we're going to look, is there a defined process that comes to renovating our lives? I think what, that's what we're going to see this morning. And the first thought is this. If you're filling in notes, whether on your app or on, on the insert in your bulletin, we say begin with the right blueprint. Now, from a purely biblical perspective, I'd like to know, does anyone know how many times it's okay to swear when you're putting together an Ikea project? Does anyone know what the Bible says about that? Anyone? No? Last, last weekend, Easter Saturday, on Saturday, Easter weekend, I decided that it would be a wonderful idea to put together a couch in our brandly new renovated basement. And it's truly remarkable to me how a company which is solely based on self-assembly furniture can be so inept at creating manuals for those of us who are trying to put together IKEA furniture. You've had this, you've had this frustration before because you know there are no words in how to put together an IKEA piece of furniture, right? It's just pictures and they're like cartoons they're not even actual pictures there there was a poorly drawn picture of a, a, a blob of a man who was supposed who was a, he didn't look like me I, I didn't think anyway but i was trying to follow what this blob was doing step by step by step and i was supposed to find little tools and i was putting putting the couch together and all of a sudden i got to step 17 of who knows how many steps are in this whole thing put together and all of a sudden there was a woman standing beside this man and I, I was in the basement I'm like, I was looking around I'm all by myself and I yell upstairs Amanda I need a woman the, the manual says <laughs> you need to pray for Amanda like honestly I'm not an easy person to live with <laughs> but, but we put we ended up putting this couch together as we followed the step by step and I didn't tell her that the woman looked like a blob of a woman that I was I was yelling at please don't tell her that she's not here this morning so that'll, that'll just be between you, you and I <laughs> I'm thankful that God is not Swedish and doesn't put together blueprints. At, sorry, Annalie. I'm, just, I'm, th- I'm thankful that he's, not, that he's not Swedish. He gets very specific about the blueprints that he gives us 
for our lives. If we look back in the, in the Old Testament, when he wanted Noah to build an ark, he put together very specific instructions. Here's how you build an ark. Here's the materials you're going to need to build the ark. And if you grew up going to Sunday school or a Christian school, I bet you built an ark out in the parking lot one time to the exact dimension. Some, some of you are nodding your heads. You did this with, with, your, with your teachers. And then if we move through the course of the Old Testament, we see Moses when, um, or we see, um, we see Moses when he was putting together the tabernacle. He was given specific instructions on what materials were to be used. The same for uh, David and Solomon as they were building the temple. They even said, here's the wood to use. Here's the, how many pieces of, of gold to use for specific parts. God was clear. It was a very precise blueprint. You know, he has that precise of a blueprint for our lives as well. If we want to say, how do I, how do I serve God with my life? How do I follow God with my life? It's, it's a concept that anyone who tries to follow God struggles with. We call it the will of God. And if you're in like the, your early 20s, you're in that phase of life, or you're, if you're in your young adulthood and you start making decisions, but where do I go to school? And you think, God, would you just tell me where I go to school? And then you move through life and you go, God, where should I live? What kind of job should I have? What, what kind of relationship I, w- should I be in? Would you just give me some insight into how I could follow the blueprint that you have for my life? And it's a concept that a lot of us struggle with. And oftentimes what I find in discussion with people trying to follow God, they flip-flop from one side to the other. And you've got on one side, these people, they, they, they wake up in the morning and they go, Lord... What color of socks should I wear? And, and, and God, I believe that I'm to wear the bright blue socks uh, this morning because you're going you're gonna to send somebody who needs to talk to somebody who knows Jesus is wearing bright blue socks. And so, Lord, I will wear the blue socks. I prayed that. No. <laughs> you have that side, and we think God's got, uh, we've, God's got everything mapped out that precise. And then we've got people on the other side, and they're like, I've never heard God. I have no idea what to do, so forget it. I'm just going to do what seems best to me, and maybe that will all work out. Do you know that the Bible is very clear that he has a plan for our life? Did you know this? We look at Jeremiah 29, 11, the, f- the first words of that verse, it's a, very, it's a verse we reference all the time. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. There are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. King David, king of Israel, he wrote in the Psalms the same thing. Many, Lord God, are the wonders you have done and the things that you have planned for us. And we read these verses and we see that God seems to have direction and a plan for us. But then we struggle to figure out, God, what's the plan for me then? Why were you so specific with Noah and with Moses and with David and with Solomon? And you don't seem to be giving me any direction at all. Well, you know, you're right. There are specific times when God comes for a specific person, for a specific reason. You know how many times he spoke with Noah? He said, Noah, I want you to build an ark, and here's how to do it. And then he said, Noah, I want you to get onto the ark. And then he said, Noah, I want you to get off of the ark. And then Noah lived hundreds of years, (laughs) and three times he spoke very specifically to Noah for, for a very specific reason. The rest of the time, we don't see God having this interaction with Noah. With Moses, the one who was called to go into Egypt, take a whole group of people out of Egypt by miracles, and then be, establish the kingdom of, of, of God through the people of Israel. He had a handful of one-on-one encounters with God for very specific reasons. But the rest of the time, Moses was left to honor God by what he saw in the word of God. And the blueprint that was laid out was not so specific what socks 
should I wear? The blueprint was given to him through the teaching in the law. Do you know that God is less concerned with where you work as he concerned is with how you work in whatever job that you're doing? I've worked at a number of different places. I've worked here at the church. I've worked at Peel Region. I've worked with Peel Police, and I've worked at Eastside Mirrors. And do you know that the call and the will of God was the same in every place that I worked to share his love with people, to help people find their way back to God? He's not, it doesn't matter where I go, what I do. It's to do the work that he's called us all to do. There's a blueprint that he's laid out for us in his word. And, and the scriptures show us, yes, there are times when God is going to intervene and speak to us very specifically, maybe a few times over the course of our life. But the rest of the time, I think what we're going to discover in this series is that it's a matter of honoring God with the biblical principles in whatever path we choose to take. And the secret to knowing the will of God for your life is easy when we're looking at relationships and finances and work. It's whatever you do, honor him. Wherever you go, engage with people in conversation about him. Engage others in his love. You will consistently be in the will of God doing whatever it is you do as long as you honor him and serve him as you do it. That's the blueprint that he laid out for our lives. And we go beyond that. We need the blueprint, but we also have to build upon a right foundation. As we move on to our second point. The foundation of a building is probably the number one determining factor on how long a building is going to stand. And whether it leaks, and if there's deterioration, if there's weak material, if it compromises the base and can accelerate, it will accelerate the demise of the entire building. And before you purchase a home, you go through a home inspection, and one of the key points of discussion between you and that home inspector will be, What's the foundation look like? And it doesn't matter if the backyard is big and beautiful. It doesn't matter if there's great living space, if it's all manicured perfectly. If the foundation is no good, the home inspector is going to look at you and say, don't buy that because it's not built on a good, with good foundation. It wasn't the home inspector's idea. This is a principle we see in scripture. In Matthew 7 and 25, Jesus told a parable and he used this analogy to model our lives after a builder who figured out that when they built the foundation upon the rock, it could withstand the, the, the storms of life much more longer than a building that was built upon a weak foundation like sand. And of course, in this parable, Jesus himself was the rock. I want you to do a little self-test here. If you have a pen and paper, grab out, grab out your pen. If you don't, I just want you to take notes on your, on your phone or on your, on your device. Write these four words down, okay? And we're going to do a little self-test. See, here's the four words. Parents. Write the word parents. Write the word Bible. Write the word internet, and write the word personal experience. Parents, Bible, internet, personal experience. Now here's your test. When you encounter a personal crisis in life, not not something physical, but something like an illness, something like bankruptcy, something like a job loss or a relational breakdown, where is the first place that you turn? I want you to rank those. One, two, three, four. Just... Be honest with yourself. When we face personal crisis, where do we turn? Amanda jokes with me all the time that I won't believe in anything until I confirm it on the internet. (laughs) And listen, it's not that trusted family members or personal experience or even good advice on the web are necessarily bad information for us. It's that 
we forget that our lives are to be founded upon the scriptures and the word of God. And the truth is that that's when we face any kind of difficult situation that is completely hopeless outside of this world. We need to know that we're founded upon God's word, not founded upon any advice or any pattern of lifestyle that we've gone through, anything that Wikipedia has to tell us, which is often wrong anyways. And there's wisdom to navigate through these things that we will never find unless we found ourselves on Jesus Christ. And if we want to be Christ's followers, then we have to let him lead us. We have to let him give the information. We have to let him be the foundation. Here's what it was written in 1 Corinthians 3 and 11. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one that is already laid, which is Jesus Christ. And the only foolproof foundation is to live a life that's based on the word of God. And if you go through that little self-test, if we were honest, you and I regularly make decisions that have nothing, major life decisions without ever consulting scripture. Sometimes we even consult just personal experience and things we've done in the past that is completely faulty and has led us down the wrong path, but it's comfortable. So we go through that. And this is why over this next month, we're going to go through a renovation process and say, Lord, I don't want to do that that way. I don't want to do it the way I'm accustomed to. I want to do it the way your word says. Our lives may take some more renovating than we initially thought when we started this morning. So we need to know that we have to begin with the blueprint, the right blueprint. We have to make sure that we are building on the right foundation. The third thought this morning is we have to consult the right experts. And Home Depot has built their entire business on this principle. If you've got question, they've got experts. However, I've walked through Home Depot for many hours, sometimes just searching for one of these so-called experts, and it's, I don't know where they are. <laughs> You're walking over these, and oftentimes, if you notice, if you go after the hours of nine and three o'clock, the expert you're going to find is a teenager named Dustin who has very little information to help you with your plumbing problem. So for my most recent home renovation, I didn't go ask one of those experts. I asked a friend of a friend, and, and he said, yeah, I can, I can lead you through this renovation project, and I'm actually going to teach you some things along the way. And I'm like, thank you. You're the guy that I need, because he, he, he taught me how to, how to put up the drywall. He taught me how to run some wire. He let me play with his miter saw. And I learned lots of different things along the way. And it was great, because I had somebody who was giving me insight into information that I didn't know about. I had watched people do it. I had some information, but it was awesome just to be walked through step by step over the three weeks that he was going to take to redo our basement and we and we got through it but we go to the book of proverbs and it tells us that plans go wrong for lack of advice that's what it says in 15 and 22 and many advisors bring success see once we have the right blueprint and the right foundation this is when we layer on the right advice wherever we go for it whether it be an expert whether it be something that we can find on our own and did you know that for our lives that's why the church was established the church was not established so we had a place to come on just to, to to meet and to sing some songs the church was established so that we would consult others who could then give us insight into what the bible says and and how it can be applied to our lives here's what it says in ephesians 4 11 and 12 these are the gifts that christ gave to the church he gave apostles and apostles break new ground and start new works. And we, we go into the community and we start new ways to engage the community with Christ's love. And he gave prophets, people that spoke the word of God. 
He gave evangelists, those who would share the gospel. He gave pastors who would give care. And he gave teachers who would expound upon the things that are in the word and help, it, help us apply them to our lives. And then he goes on to say, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of God, you and I. It's a gift that God has given to us. And if you need some miter work saw done, I am clearly not your man. And if you need advice on your investment strategy, don't come to the church. Go to the bank. Go to, go to an investment specialist. But if you want to hear what the Word of God says, you need to find a place where people are teaching the Word of God. And I am so thankful for our church and Pastor Doug and Laura and the leadership because I know every week I can come here no matter when and hear the Word of God taught. And I can receive great care and I can hear, hear people speak the Word of God. And we're going out into the community and sharing God's love as the apostles were called to do. It's an amazing place and it's a gift that was given to us. It was established to us to equip us. And this is what God laid out for us in his word. Why do you come to church? What's the reason? Because, you know, I, I have conversations with people sometimes. And they say, you know what? I only go to church when a certain speaker is speaking. Or, I, you know, I, sometimes I don't even think I can get anything out of, out of Sunday. I hope we would never be so confident or even, I would say, be bold to say so proud that we feel like we're beyond learning from other people. We're beyond receiving the gift that God has given to us to equip us to go and be the church that he's called us to be in the community. I I hope I never get to the point where I say, hey, I've got this thing figured out. And over the next few weeks, I really believe that God is going to begin to show us some insights into his word about how it applies to all these different areas of our life, which actually leads us into our final thought, another secondarily close reason to be in church. We not only need to consult the experts, we need to source the right materials. And for a construction project, even if you have the right blueprint, even if your foundation is solid and you've consulted Dustin over at the Home Depot, you need to go ahead and finish that project with the right materials. And if you use a handsaw and leftover pieces of drywall that you found at a scrapyard, you're going to have an ugly looking renovation project because you found a cheap and easy way to do it. Can I just say, and please don't look at your neighbor when, or your partner when you're with this, but some of us are way too comfortable with a cheap and easy result. (laughs) We would find the cheapest, easiest way to to fix anything that we can. We love duct tape. We don't love getting the right thing. We, again, eyes straightforward right now. There is, there is no judgment going on here. We would rather do it the cheap and easy way. Now, that's a renovation project, and if, if you like it that way in your home, go for it. <laughs> when it comes to your life, don't take the cheap and easy way out. Source the right materials. And the right materials that we build our lives with is a Christ-centered life living in relationship with other Christ-centered people. And in our culture, that's not something that's cheap, nor is it easy. It costs us something. How many evenings a week do you sit around your house with nothing to do, just thinking, you know, I have tons of time. I, I, I just, I, I wish I had something to fill my hours with. <laughs> In my house, that answer is no evenings a week, or at the very most, one evening a week do I have time to do something. 
A typical evening for me is we, we rush home from work, we, we get dinner down, and then I get in the car, and Amanda goes one way, and I go another way, and we're driving, hope off to basketball practice, and then I leave her at practice to go so I can meet with somebody, and then I have to leave that meeting early to go and pick up hope, and then we get home, and we have to walk the dog because the dog hasn't been walked, and we're enjoying this wonderful season of spring ice rain, so we're out at 10.30 walking the dog, and then we're getting home and, and trying to collapse. And that's what our night is like. <laughs> And it's in that context that we hear Pastor Josh get up and say, hey, you need to be in a growth group. You need to be in a home group. That's meaning that Acts 2 and 42, the church was founded upon the principles of home meetings. And this is the way that they did it. So you can't do that. And then we'll hear Pastor Doug say, listen, you can't miss a Sunday. It's our Sabbath. It's our rest and worship day. It's the rhythm that God established for our life. We've got the gifted teachers and musicians. We worship together. Don't miss Sunday. They, they say, well, if you want to be Christian, there's no guilt there. <laughs> I spoke with one person, and last week, she worked all night, came to Good Friday service, served in our services, in our kids' ministries, and then was going off to Easter dinner with her fiancé's family. And she said, you know, but I just needed to be here and serving. We, we, we don't seem to have time to do church and life properly in, 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 our, in our world, in our culture. We don't have the time, right? Well, that's a lie we tell ourselves. We choose priorities. Each of us has seven days a week, and each of us chooses how we're going to spend those days. And we'll tell ourselves a message, you know, I don't have time to properly use the right materials and source myself for the right materials for my life. And the truth is that, no, we've chosen one thing over another. Can I read for you what the Word of God says in Hebrews chapter 10, 25? Let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do. Encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Even 2,000 years ago, it seemed like the church needed a reminder to make meeting together a priority in their life. And listen, it's not easy. And it will cost something. But let's not take the cheap and easy way out. It's a foundational principle of renovating our lives to become the people that God has called us to be. Let me put out the challenge to you. If you're not in a regular habit of meeting with other believers, whether it's on Wednesdays here at a growth group, whether you're, you're in the growth group experience, we made it nice and easy. You don't have to worry about dinner. If you've got kids, there's a kids program for you. You can come and, and meet together with, with, with other believers. Maybe you're going to be in a, in, on, a, on a serving team and you're going to serve together and you meet and you pray together on a weekly basis. Maybe it's just you're going to meet together with another group of friends and you're going to get into somebody's home on a weekly or a bi-weekly basis. Can you, as we go through this course of this series, say, no, I'm going to commit to using the right materials no matter what they cost because I don't want a cheap and easy and ended up an ugly renovation project going on with my life. I'm okay if my basement doesn't look okay. I'm not okay if my life doesn't turn out the way it was designed to be. We even say, you know, we love our online service. Online, online people, look at me for a minute if you're online. Everybody else, you can stop paying attention. <laughs> we love our online campus, and we, we, have, we have designed it because sometimes you're sick, sometimes you can't get out of the house, sometimes you're traveling, you may be worshiping with us from a whole different area of the country, and if you are, or maybe even a whole different area of the world, and if that's you, you should move to Mississauga. It's a wonderful place. We'd love to have you here. But, you know, we didn't design an online church so that you could give up having community with other people. We designed it as an add-on. Maybe you're just checking out Portico service. This is the thing. We've de- we were designed to meet together, and if the reason why you, you tune in with us online is because you'd rather do church in your PJs, get dressed and get 
out here for 1140. There's going to be a great experience happening. It's, it's, we were designed to be in community with one another, and that's the right materials that we build our life with. Can I close this morning with an encouragement out of the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, verses 19 and 20. Here's what it says. It says, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners or strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. You were built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. It is going to be a great series as we move through the month of April. And even, even if you make one adjustment coming out of our, our, of, of our series, we're going to be so encouraged that the Word of God, the foundation that we build our lives upon, that the blueprint and that the people coming together, that it's changing the way we relate with one another, the changing the way we deal with our work, and changing the way we deal with our finances. Can I pray with you this morning as we close? Lord, I thank you for this group of people that have come together this morning. We, we are excited to see what your word has for us and how you're going to challenge us and change us. And God, I believe that even this morning, there are people right now, they're just considering whether or not they would get on this process. And by the power of, of the Spirit this morning, I pray just a little confirmation in their hearts and in their spirit this morning that they would know, yeah, this is a choice that's right for them, that they're ready to take. And God, I pray that as we open ourselves up, whether we're just considering the claims of Christ or whether we've been following him for 40, 50 years, that your word would challenge us and change us. God, we are excited to be in a renovation project. Even though it might get dirty, even though it might get messy, we're so excited to see the finished project when we get to the other side. We ask this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.